Hi everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. podcast where we talk about fan fiction. Each episode, the three of us each brings a fic to discuss. Sometimes it's themed, sometimes it's not. This time is themed, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Before we do that, Brenna, what fan works have you brought for us to consume? Yes, so I did not actually bring fic this time. I brought two fan vids. Uh, Both of these are located on YouTube if you'd like to view them. Um, The first one is set to Betty by Taylor Swift, and it's about Betty and Veronica, um, posted by YouTube user Veronica's Fate. Um, The second one is set to You Belong With Me, Taylor's version. Uh, It's a fan vid about Jarchi, aka Jughead and Archie, um, by YouTube user Kindred Spirit. Um, Obviously, these are both for Riverdale, and I am incredibly excited to talk about both of them. Nick, what did you bring? My fic for this episode is fic. I believe it's our first song fic. Fic, let's call us out if we're wrong about that. Uh, It's called Sweet Tea in the Summer, Cross Your Heart, Won't Tell No Other by Firewood Figs, and it is a Riza slash Roy fic for Full Medical Full Medical, <laughs> is that what it's called? Uh, um, full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Reed, what are you bringing this episode? Yeah, I have brought Wolves of Swift River by Wispabi. It is for the fandom Taylor Swift musician because the pairing is Taylor Swift Carly Kloss. It's a werewolf at you. <laughs> so our theme for this episode is uh, Ennui or angst, uh, depending (laughs) on how you want to interpret it. Mm -hmm. Probably pretty clear from the works that we brought. So I'm really excited to talk about how those show up differently in all of our works. Yeah, I guess angst August works. Yeah. Okay, if it was actually angst August, Reed, I would have to fail you. I'd flunk you on this one. I would flunk myself. Yeah. What what grade do I get? Uh, The the Betty Veronica video, I feel like you get a B plus. Okay. Jarchi... I don't a. think you pass. <laughs> Jarchi F for angst. Um, A plus 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 for vibes. It's so angsty. Do you want to tell the figlets what She's our theme actually is? And I'm on the bleachers. Oh Come on. Yeah, figlets. Our theme is August August. Um, which the sort of original intention was we would all find fix that had titles with Taylor Swift lyrics because you would think that's like a pretty common and easy thing to find nailed it um yeah nick nailed it and then brent and i were having a bit of a tougher time than i think either of us expected so we just sort of broadened it to somehow related to taylor swift i mean mine are titled after taylor swift lyrics and that they're titled after taylor swift songs they're yeah. just not fix mm-hmm. yeah it's hard to search for that was something that i found yeah inspired by a taylor swift song as like an overarching tag did help me a lot as I was hunting, but there's so many different fics that are titled with Taylor Swift lyrics that are not tagged that way or just like are not inspired directly by the song. So um, we put in a whole lot of search terms into that AO3 search box, I think. Yeah, I was going through just like the search, like searching for like Taylor Swift lyric for a while. And like a lot of times it would pull up from someone's notes, which is what I was looking for, like title from 
this lyric from this Taylor Swift song or whatever, but I knew that there were so many more out there. I just couldn't find them. Where were they? Come to me. I know I've read you before. Yeah, I I did something kind of similar. I went into the search. I put title and I was literally like I had like 17 tabs open with Taylor Swift lyrics and was just pulling lines that I thought would make for good titles. Um, And then when that was like giving me some things, but nothing that really felt like it was it. Um, I just started going to fandoms and then like in like other search or whatever in the sidebar, I just put Taylor Swift hoping that people who said like title by Taylor Swift, blah, 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 in the notes would pop up, which had some mixed success. But um, and then I ended up picking a fic that I read in November of 2020 and never fully finished and hadn't read since. Perfect. It was just Taylor Swift August. Taylor Swift August. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which... um, we, we being Brenna and I, listened to August in the car earlier okay. um, oh, as we were... It's so good. It is. Uh, yeah. Well, okay, yeah. So I informed my co-hosts who then... I don't want to say they, like, threatened to kick me off the episode so much as they just said that they were going to do this episode without me. Yeah, I it wasn't, like, co-hosts. a threat. It was just, like... <laughs> it was an we just offer do it? for you to sit one out if yeah. you wanted. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah... I, I've had an up and down relationship with Taylor Swift albums and like I literally never made it through folklore because I found it boring. I favorited seven and then I think I maybe just sort of gave up there. So I can't say for sure if the car earlier was my first time listening to August, but it it might have been. It's a very good song. It's a very important song. I'm very glad that we were able to do this episode. Uh, Ficklets, I'm Swifty. You might not have known this about me. Um, I have always like... With Taylor Swift, I feel like sometimes I'm like that. What is it? Like the TikTok audio that's like, I support women's wrongs. Yeah. (laughs) I sometimes feel that way, like about reputation, especially. I'm like, yeah, let's go, baby. This is art. Um, High art, extremely high quality music. Uh, So I was really excited to do this. I had a lot of thoughts and feelings. My lyric for the title is obviously from Seven. I'll talk about that more because it plays a massive role in my fic in a way that I was not expecting for Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood fic. Um, But I enjoyed returning to the genre and I did listen to a fair amount of folklore yesterday uh, as I was just reminiscing in general about when it came out and also about my my, my many years of being Swifty, I guess. I was just going to say that I have had my ups and downs with Taylor. I don't think quite as um, maybe methodically. I don't know what the right word is, is read with your every other album um, flipping, flip flopping. Um, But I, yeah, I have had my ups and downs with her. I feel like there were times where I just felt like certain songs got overplayed and that always is tough for me even with artists I really like also like when rep came out I was like what is this I've since really come around to thinking it's a camp masterpiece but that took me a couple years I admit um I think especially in the last couple years during the pandemic I've been like full like Taylor has been the top of my Spotify most listened by like a wide margin for the past three years um so you know we're, we're in it we're here I love that girl um again yeah it's not always been an easy path with her I feel like (laughs) (laughs) um she sometimes presents challenges in terms of being a fan but um yeah I think especially her last two albums I like I really really liked them and they prompted me to like go back a lot and listen to the earlier ones that I like hadn't listened to in a while and now I've been listening to them all on repeat for like three years um oops sometimes that's what happens in life 
So earlier, when Brent and I were in the car listening to Taylor Swift, I was thinking about um, Brent had pitched for this intro, all of us like talking about a theoretical fan work based on Taylor Swift, based on a lyric, whatever, like sort of in the style of this episode, you know, just like having to do with Taylor Swift. Um, And as we were chatting about like Taylor Swift songs, I did say that the peak of my loving Taylor was 1989. It was the album that like really brought me back on her side. It was so good. And I listened to New Romantics like on loop so 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 much when it came out um so then i was like oh no if we're doing this as an intro i need to like have a concept um and so i was like well if new romantics is my favorite maybe i'll just like sort of go through the new romantics lyrics in my head and like see where that gets me um so what i've decided to pitch as my it's really only related in the title but um takes the title pretty literally the the title is going to be um Every day is like a battle, parentheses, but every night with us is like a dream. Um, it is dream sharing. Um, uh. It is Geralt Amir. Um, AO3 author Astolat. I'm just going to manifest this. We'll just say it now and see where that goes. <laughs> so you're saying, you're, already, you're saying who it's by as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm saying who it's by in the hopes of like by speaking it out loud yeah, and sure. manifesting it into being. But it could be by anyone. It could be by you, Ficklet listener. Um yeah, basically the concept is like, you know, Amir's like waging his war in the north. Um, every day is like a battle, etc. Um, and then like, I don't know, probably Geralt gets like cursed in some like witchering thing he's doing. And then via fake reasons is now dream sharing with Amir. And at first Amir's really annoyed by it. But then it becomes a thing where like Geralt's like busy, like probably like halfway across the continent. But like little things he's doing are actually like affecting like the war. And he's like like putting together pieces of things and then like it starts to be like every time they dream like Amir is like picking his brain and they start to like strategize etc cetera, etc cetera. and then like something happens and like maybe like abruptly the dreams stop or like Amir's like about to go into a battle and then like something like whatever and suddenly Geralt is like after like probably like at least like a month but maybe like two or more months of them like dream sharing and like not seeing each other physically Geralt like suddenly has to like rush to the battle where like Amir is and like obviously everyone around him is like what the fuck because absolutely no one knows that they've been in contact or have developed any sort of relationship um and then i don't know i mean like you can kind of just take it from there right like it's this big climactic moment and then like all of the little things have come together and then oh my god wow they're in person instead of just dream sharing oh my god wow. um that's, I read that's this. my pitch yeah so do i that's why i'm trying to manifest yeah. <laughs> i liked it reed it was good brennan do you want to go or do you want me to go I can go. Um, mine is mine is one that Reed is really familiar with because we came up with it together. But um, it's something I really want to see in this world. It 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 would be made probably by Reed unless anyone wants to like take over. Oh, but it is. <laughs> I was wondering which way you were going with this. Uh, well, there are still a couple, but the one I'm going to go with is uh, it's a it's a fan vid um of Formula One driver Valtteri Botas set uh-huh. to Taylor Swift's Getaway Car. Yes. Um a song that we decided was written about Valtteri Botas. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, since it's a fan vid, I feel like I don't can't give you as much like plot as Reed just supplied. It's more about vibes. But um I think two important lyrics would be the like uh should have known I'd be the first to leave. Think about the place where you first met me in a getaway car. Um so, I mean, you know, this is chronicling, I think, I think it's sort of set in the present after Valtteri leaves Mercedes, but like it has a lot of flashbacks to his career with them and also like his relationship with Lewis. That's what I'm going for here. Um, I think it would be a smash hit, especially with the Tumblr girlies. <laughs> uh, that's my pitch. I just like, 
Could I create a lot more Taylor Swift inspired things? Yes, but that one is so good. I had to take this opportunity to share it with you, world and listeners. The vision is so there. And now that we're talking about it again, I am feeling so tempted. But if I was going to make a Formula One fan vid, I have another one in mind, and it is Toto in his villain era. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see what I get around to. Yeah. Well, Toto in his villain era is also a really important one. Um, I just thought this concept might be a little bit more straightforward to people. Um, well, because there's also the, like, Christian Horner, I did something bad. Sure, but one. I'm not going to make that fan vid. <laughs> um, in his rep era. Yeah. As everyone yeah. knows, Christian Horner is in his rep era. Yeah. yeah. If you get it, you get it. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, well, my fan work um, is not like that. Completely. Okay. It's a little, I guess. Well, no. Um, I I feel like it has to be, I mean, this is just obvious to me, Teen Wolf, Allison slash Lydia, mm. post-canon. Mm. I have not seen 6B, but, you know, canon uh, divergent in that Allison doesn't die. Spoilers for uh, an episode that came out when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where, like, they've gone their somewhat separate ways maybe they sort of like had this really one um charged series of moments before they both you know graduate from high school finally and go off to college and completely different locations and go off and do their own things um and so there's this sense of lost potential and their families are still in beacon hills so they do run into each other um it's an evermore filk album mm. so it's the deluxe edition so it is 17 songs long uh, each of them rewritten to be about this particular story. Um, so of course you start out with like Willow, which you've got kind of a wistful vibe as they're thinking about like what could have been and what isn't. Uh, you roll down to Tis the Damn Season because, you know, they're both home for the holidays and they run into each other and it's a little bit awkward or uncomfortable or challenging. No Body, No Crime is going to be sort of a, uh, a retrospective of the many lives that they have taken <laughs> as high schoolers in Beacon Hills, as we know. Um, yeah, and then we start getting more down towards uh, Ivy, like, oh, you hurt me and I'm only finally allowing myself to recognize that. Uh, we're jumping down to Closure, then we're getting the bonus tracks. Um, it does end on a very bittersweet note because we do, of course, take It's Time to Go. Because it's a filk, we are rewriting the lyrics here, but we're going to maintain a lot of the emotional arc of this album. Um, so yeah, it's a... Uh, I would say not only is it a filk album that is so long, most people would not want to listen to it regardless. But the fic that it's about is also so long and so sad, I'm not sure anyone wants it. Uh, but it is in my heart, and it is what I have been moved and compelled to tell all of you on this pod. So let me know if you would listen to this. I'm not going to make it. Uh, I just won't. Uh, but it is what popped into my head. Thank you. I love the concept. I Thank can't you. say I would listen to it. No, I don't um, think I would. <laughs> but I, I would love if it existed out in the world, you know? I think it'd be really neat. I feel like it's one of those things that we would see and be like, oh, maybe I should bring this to the pod. And then be like, this is too much investment. <laughs> Actually, I can't do this. Yeah, very much so. I do love that we covered three different types of fan works, though. I like that we really, like, got a wide variety there. Betty, I won't make assumptions about what we're going to talk about with these two fan vids. Brenna, take it away. All right, Ficklet, so as you can tell, maybe from the intro, I'm a really big fan of Taylor Swift fan vids. Um, well, I guess I'd be a fan of fan vids about Taylor Swift, but like what I mean by this is <laughs> fan vids 
set to Taylor Swift songs. Um, I'm also equally just a really big fan of whack Riverdale fan vids. Um, it's, I think the Riverdale fan vidding community is one that I am so consistently impressed with. They churn out incredible stuff. And like, quite frankly, it's like the only sort of fan content I want to consume for Riverdale. Like, I'm not that interested in Riverdale thick. I mean, I think you could get me interested, but I have yet to see something that's like what I imagine. But the fan vids, that's where it's at. And so I present both of these to you today in the same way that I kind of present everything about Riverdale when I talk about it, with both the utmost seriousness and also a complete lack of seriousness. Um, I don't know what the Vitter's intentions were for these fan vids, um, but since we are all fans of Riverdale, it seems, I have to imagine that there is some sort of humor involved in cre the creation of these. Um, so we've got the Betty fan vid uh, set to Taylor Swift's song Betty, um, following Betty and Veronica. Um, I think this is a great, great fan vid. It's very literal, um, but I think that that's what makes it so good here and like gives us so much to dig into. I have a lot to say in general with these about like narratives, the creation of narratives, the reimagining narratives. Um, yes, especially like using the sort of the canon of Taylor Swift songs and Riverdale. Um, and then we've also got the You Belong With Me, Taylor's version, Jarchi, aka Jughead and Archie uh, fan vid. This is like one of my favorite fan vids of all time. It's genius and I love it. Um, it's so well done, but also like so funny. I just, it's so good. It's a masterpiece, honestly. Um, so I have a lot that I want to dig into with these. I think like if you have any interest in watching them, I would say pause the episode right now and go do so. Um, I think all three of us would also urge you to watch the Taylor Swift You Belong With Me music video alongside the Jarchi one. It elevates the experience so much. Um, yeah, so so if you're at all curious, go ahead and pause and come back. We'll be waiting for you. Um, it will only take about, let's see, 12 to 15 minutes maybe to watch all three. Exactly. Um, so, you know, not, not a huge amount of your day. Um, but now that I assume that you've come back from watching them, co-hosts, what did you think of these? I loved both of these videos. I really enjoy talking about fan vids. I mean, I was excited for this discussion for a few reasons. One of them is I just think fan vids are very cool. And we've talked about one once, but I'm excited to talk about more of them because like, it's such a different way of crafting a narrative than we usually talk about. So I like that. I love hearing Brenna talk about Riverdale. Uh, I just enjoy that. And I also am convinced that Riverdale vidders are the only reason that I could watch a video and then think in my brain, Riverdale is pretty good. <laughs> it, it happens every time. I'm like, oh my God, maybe Riverdale's good. And it's like, no. I mean, yes, respect. Um, Riverdale and is also, an experience. Like, yeah. But like, I do think the secret good Riverdale, as people say, is hidden in the Riverdale fan vids. Yes. Um, so I enjoyed watching these both very much with my limited knowledge. I've seen like five or six episodes of Riverdale. So that's more than most shows, frankly. I have a little bit of context, at least for the tone and for our main four characters, uh, who are the stars of these videos, respectively. Um, I am Jarchist now. That was one of the only notes I took the first time I watched the You Belong With Me video, that I'm Jarchist, which is true. Uh, and yeah, like it kind of convinced me that this pairing is canon endgame. 
knowing that it is definitively not. <laughs> I mean, I guess I don't know what the writers are up to. It seems like it probably isn't. Um, but for, you know, four glorious minutes, I was able to believe that it might be true. So I'm excited to talk about it. And I'm really excited to dig more into like story and storytelling and narrative and like how we make stories out of the things that were presented. So stay tuned for those thoughts. So honestly, when Bren was like, oh, I'm going to bring Riverdale fan vids, I was like, I'm game. Like, I am down to try anything on this podcast. I was a little bit nervous because the last time we brought a fan vid, which was a Riverdale fan vid for Brenna's birthday, um, while I found it an enjoyable watching experience, I didn't really feel like I came out of it with anything concrete to say. And then I got some of Brenna's thoughts and I like went back and I, you know, dug more into it. But I was kind of worried. I was like, oh, no, like. I don't want my co-host to have to, like, handhold me through this discussion, basically. Um, never fear. I started the You Belong With Me Jarchi video. I got about five seconds in, went, hold on, paused. I went, watched the Taylor Swift music video, then went back to the Jarchi one. Absolutely the correct way to do that, in my opinion. Um, it also did, like, nearly reduce me to tears. I was laughing so hard. Laughing with, not at, like, d again, as I said in the intro, A++++++. I had the best time. Um, the vibe switch going from Jarchi to the Betty fan vid, maybe I should have done those in the other order. Uh, it, it is a tone shift. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I found it not as like off the cuff, wildly delightful, but I still was like, Ooh, there are like fun things to dig into here. Um, I, I did not come away watching them with the same experience as Nick thinking Riverdale is a good show. But I did come away going, I really enjoyed watching these fan vids. Um, that was a fun experience, and I think they will be fun to talk about. So I think that's okay. I don't think we all need to become um, diehard Riverdale apologist jarchists in I'm the span of two I think. fan vids. <laughs> I'm easily convinced. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I also have some thoughts about these that I'm excited to dig into. Yeah, so before we get fully into our discussion, um, looping back to something we usually do a little earlier, content warnings. I don't really think I have big ones for these. I mean, they pull from Riverdale, so it's like canon Riverdale content, but neither of these fan vids use much of Riverdale that would come with content warnings, if that makes sense. Um, this mostly includes like the nicer or more romantic bits of it um and it's cut it together in a way to like put forth that narrative so you know take from that what you will um but yeah i think something i was just thinking about with <laughs> nick being like i'm impressionable is the fact that you know sometimes we talk about fics that we read that were like the first fic that got us into a fandom or the fic that like convinced us to ship something that like maybe we either hadn't shipped before or we weren't in a fandom for it before um and I was thinking back to like a role that fan vids have played for me in fandom which is to like get me into ships especially for like tv shows or movies and like sometimes you've watched fan vids for something and you're like oh my god I know the show is gonna like give me so much for these two and it's like no the vidder actually just did an incredible job making something wonderful out of basically nothing it was my whole um, teen wolf experience I saw so many steric vids on tumblr and then I got into the show and I was like where did any of this come from <laughs> absolutely so I think with both of these 
Riverdale does give a lot of content that you can make any narrative you want from, basically. Um, And I think both of these ships have their ups and downs within Riverdale canon of being more prominent or more on the back burner. I mean, neither of them come anywhere close to being canon. I want to make that very clear in case you weren't aware. Um, hmm? Aside from Jarchi? Um, no, Jarchi is not endgame. I'm sorry, they basically did say this in, like, a recent episode. No! Well, they were talking about Archie's endgame and and Jughead wasn't part of it. Hmm. Um, he might die. I don't know. Okay, we're not gonna get into this right now. Archie? What? Which which he? Archie? Like, Archie might die? Oh, no, Jughead might die. Sorry. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, it's... It's looking likely according to Tabitha's ability to time travel. But, you know, we won't get into that right now. That's being put aside um, to go back to the important stuff. (laughs) Um, Which is, yeah, I just I think like the work that Vitters can do to like put forth a ship narrative is an incredible thing. And I think both of these do it so well and like with kind of slightly different vibes obviously the you belong with me one i think is much more tongue-in-cheek the betty one is much more like earnest um and that's i mean honestly both of those songs are kind of that way as well um but yeah i think a big thing all three of us wanted to talk about was just like how narratives are created and i think for me like vids are such a cool medium and one that like i think we often don't talk about on this pod because like it feels hard to talk about a visual medium when like we are talking to you with only words. Um, but I don't know. They allow you to do something very different, I think, than what what fic does. And obviously you could write a fic that's just taking scenes from a show or a movie and like splicing them together. But like that's not really what a lot of fic writers do. Um, and then also with vids, you are limited by like what you actually have video or images of. And to be able to put them together to create these narratives, I think it's just like a wonderful thing and one that I like want to give more like kudos to on our pod. Cause you know, we talk about tons of different types of fic and fan works and yeah, I mean, we'd done that one other Riverdale fan vid because it was me and I wanted to do it. But like, this just felt like such a good opportunity to talk about the medium with these two vids. Um, and also, I think just like, for me, there's a lot. It's very rich textually to have this combination of like, Taylor, who I feel like is always kind of putting forth these like narratives about her songs. I feel like she's got a lot of like lore building in them. Like we can definitely dig into that with like Betty and stuff. Um, along with like Riverdale, which is like a show about narratives in so many ways. Um, and then to have a vitter come in and like mix it all up to create their own out of this. I think it's great. And like something else I think is hysterical is like, these are both such shippy videos for ships that like, I don't know how to say this exactly, but like if these fan vids were part of Riverdale canon, the Betty one would be about Betty and Archie and the You Belong With Me one would probably also be about Betty and Archie because Riverdale has a lot to say about Betty and Archie, but I feel like they're always struggling to say it. And it is kind of that like popular jock boy girl next door thing that like the You Belong With Me actual Taylor music video is. But I also think that the creators of Riverdale would like the spirit in which both of these were made because they like wax stuff and they like narratives. And that's what I have to say about it for now. I have a lot of thoughts about narratives and stories. I feel like that's not surprising. 
Um, I have a few angles I often come at them from, and the one that comes to mind for me the most in this particular discussion and context uh, is from the realm of psychology. We're talking about narrative theory. So at its very base and core, narrative theory posits that human beings are meaning makers. We take all the things that happen to us in our lives, we understand events that happen in the world, relationships, ourselves, and we take all of those things and we make them into stories, and we tell ourselves these stories, and that is how we make sense of things, um, which is a very kind of basic concept, uh, but it is the frame for a whole lot of other things underneath narrative theory. And I am so interested in the ways in which these videos chose to take these events that happened in the same show, right, and pull them into completely different contexts. To my understanding, my limited Riverdale understanding, there's not a ton of scene overlap between the two videos. Um, they pull a lot of different scenes, in part because they don't have a ton of character overlap. Veronica shows up a decent amount in the You Belong With Me video, but not in the context of um, being in love with and or regretful towards Betty, which is mostly what happens in the Betty video. Um, regardless though, they're working from the same source material and they have quite different tones and styles. Uh, they have different ways of manipulating that source material. And you could consider like in just our lives, the source material is just life. Uh, in Riverdale, the source material is Riverdale the show, obviously. The events that happen within it and the way that they're already kind of pre-framed for you through somebody else's narrative lens. Um, I just find it very interesting and it also brings to mind the idea of double listening or double seeing or double understanding that we talk about a lot in narrative, which is this idea that we are listening not only for like problems and effects of problems or like events and effects of events, but we're also listening for potential solution, potential next steps. Um, so if someone tells you, you know, let's say I'm Betty, I'm sad because Veronica keeps hurting my feelings and I don't want to deal with it anymore. Not only are we hearing Veronica keeps hurting Betty's feelings and it's making her frustrated, but we're also hearing that there is a desire for things to be different. And the more that you're listening, the more that you're able to kind of gather what those things might be and how it could go. Like, I just, I really like that frame for story. And I think it works so well with vids because it is not to talk again about literalization. I'm going to be doing this every episode now. It's going to be my new thing. Um, but vids do really literalize this idea of cutting up and taking only the parts that serve your particular narrative and putting them in an order that is going to engender a particular emotional experience for the reader or the listener or the viewer, but also for yourself as the creator of this thing. Um, you are creating your own emotional journey. Um, and that feels so much like what transformative works are and do and function as. So that's my little narrative corner that I wanted to make sure I mentioned in this episode. I think something like kind of related to what both of you were saying um, when Brian was talking about like Vitters only having the material like of the show and then in sort of like what Vitters are like picking and choosing for their own use. I, I mentioned this with Brenna's birthday episode. I really have not consumed fan vids much at all in my fandom history and like the only fandom I really think I was like actively semi-actively like consuming them for was Marvel but one thing that I found was like not infrequent was people pulling clips from like media that that actor had been in but was <laughs> not the source material yeah um and Teen Wolf too like some of that but like I don't know. There, there's like certain things I can see in my head of like, oh, well, we want it to look like these two guys are kissing. So I'm going to pull whatever material from this actor's like repertoire I can to make this work. Um, 
And as far as I'm aware, these fan vids did not do that. They worked entirely within the show. I think the the bit in um the Jarchi one where it like uses the line where Archie's like, I imagine that we'd go to New York, blah blah blah, and then there's some like clips where it kind of looks like they're in New York. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, That's the New York pull- those bits are pulled from somewhere else, but I don't know what. But like because that was like a little bit more like oh I'm imagining this like it felt right. like the bulk I just of it really it was, was another Riverdale timeline I don't know what's going on in that that's show. also that's so fair <laughs> no um, but I feel like sort of maybe in place of picking and choosing other media what these fan vids did that I have not encountered or I don't remember encountering really is um, inserting actual audio from the show in such a way that suits their narrative so for example in the Jarchi video. Um, when Archie says to, I guess, Veronica, where he's like, I'm sorry, we kissed. Like, they're at prom, and it's like, like it is meant to, in the vid, be like, oh, I'm sorry, yes, I did kiss Jughead. And it, like, <laughs> sort of, like, mirrors that climactic moment from, like, the Taylor music video, where they're at prom, and he, the guy, like, sort of rejects his, like, quote-unquote, like, I don't know, evil, like, whatever, ex-girlfriend in favor of Taylor. The evil ex-girlfriend also just being Taylor in a wig, but that's fine. Um... <laughs> But I just, I found the, like, inserting of the audio in both fan vids so interesting because to me that was even more so than, like, you know, picking and choosing your clips. That was the absolute peak of, like, I am going to make whatever the hell narrative I want. I'm going to pick and choose things, like, as they work for me and the story that I am telling and nothing else matters. And I respected that so deeply. Especially because with the, I mean... The Betty one also does pull lines of dialogue from the show, and I think it does it very effectively. The Jarchi one makes up lines of dialogue. It has spliced lines of dialogue together to make it say what it wants to say, (laughs) Um, which I think is bold, innovative, and amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's also interesting to think about like what the Vitters chose to keep in audio-wise, because the moment that stands out the most in my memory as we're talking about this is the, the glass bottle spinning in the Betty video during the spin the bottle. Like, I think you so easily could have left out that sound, that very kind of distinctive glass spinning sound, but they left it in and I was like, ooh, I have to pay attention to this part because it's important. I liked that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I think with like the, as we've all been talking about with like the concept of narratives, I think for me, like Riverdale feels like such a rich source text, not just because it has a lot of episodes and also a, like everything under the sun has happened in that show. So you can kind of find a clip to suit any event you need it to. Um, but also because I feel like so much of Riverdale is about the characters kind of trying and like struggling to tell their own stories. I think Jughead is the clearest example of this because he often is literally narrating episodes or has moments of narration within episodes. Um, But something I could probably like write a dissertation about is like how it often feels like, especially our central four characters in Riverdale, but also like our kind of main other main characters who like aren't part of that quartet, but like are also main characters like Cheryl, for example. Um, how they all are kind of in their own separate narratives, but have been smushed together into this world. And there's a lot of tension, I think, between those. And like, sometimes the writers manage to execute in a way where like narratives come together in these moments of like beautiful Riverdale cohesion and insanity. And sometimes there feels like there's just this inherent tension. And I I don't know, I think that makes it a really interesting watching experience for me, like, to get back to 
the sort of Betty and Archie aspect of things. Like, the show wants to explore Betty and Archie so bad, and they want to make it, like, a satisfying ship. But just, I don't think it ever has been, because they're on two totally separate paths. Like, Archie has continued on his, like, sort of you know, popular jock boy, like, comes back to his small town, football coach, ROTC, like, boxing gym, all of this stuff. Betty, like, started out as, like, a sweet girl next door. No, she's catching serial killers for the FBI. Like, are you kidding me? Like, it's not... (laughs) With her serial killer gene. (laughs) Like, okay, I'm obsessed with her. We know I love Betty, but, like, I don't know. The show's insistence on putting them together when I feel like their narratives are just straining away from each other is so interesting to me. And I think that what's, that's what makes watching a Riverdale fan vid so good because I feel like the vidders do this magical job of them picking out pieces of this to like create these co- much more cohesive narratives than like the TV show ever offers us, I think. But also to like use the bits of what the TV show offers us to like put forth a narrative that like could exist in Riverdale like the thing is it's never gonna make Jarchi canon it's never gonna make Veronica canon but like it could it's not entirely outside of the realm of possibility with a show like Riverdale it is because of like how they've never explored this and like honestly I think if they were gonna do anything about it it would have been in like season two or three but it's a show where like you have that feeling of like anything is possible we never know what's coming next um and so I think that's what like makes the potential to craft any narrative out of it, like a really interesting one to me. Yes, the the anything is possible, I think, really comes to light for me whenever Brenna decides to tell me about Riverdale as she's watching it. Like the text I got where she referenced um, a coin over each eye, a fic that we had talked about, but because they were putting coins over their eyes to ferry their souls um, uh, to, so they could go to the afterlife because... Uh, quote, Archie, Jug, Tabitha, Fangs, and assorted others all died because Percival put a plague on firstborns. Yeah. Uh, Sabrina had to teach them, Sabrina, my favorite witch girl, had to teach them how to bring people back. Do I ever understand this show? No, like, truly, yeah, I mean, fanfitters can make whatever narratives they want because the show is also making whatever narratives they want. Absolutely, which is also why, like, I have genuinely no idea how the creators of Riverdale feel about, like, fan works. But I have to imagine, especially because the fact that Riverdale is based on, like, the original creator of Riverdale, like, made this play about Archie being gay that he, like, wanted to put on and then got, like, a cease and desist and then eventually made Riverdale instead. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. That's fucking incredible. I'm so glad I know that So I I feel like I have to imagine that at the very least he would feel positively about all of this stuff. Um, I don't know that he's still like working on Riverdale in any capacity. I have no clue like who the creative team is or anything. But um, yeah, just when I think about that, I sort of feel like there's this energy towards Riverdale fandom of like, do whatever you want with this. (laughs) Well, one interesting thing, too, I think about the two videos is, like, they both lean into the Riverdaleiness of Riverdale, in part by necessity because they are Riverdale fan vids. Uh, but I feel like, tell me if this is anything, the You Belong With Me video leans very hard into being the You Belong With Me video. And mm-hmm. the Betty video, it feels like at points within the song, kind of by necessity, resists the T-Swift narrative to try and do more of its own thing. Or at least like pushes back against the song a little bit. I'm thinking specifically about pacing. The Betty video, there's a 
point in the middle where the cuts get a lot faster and it picks up in pace a lot and then it slows down again at the end, which I think was a really smart choice uh, because the song Betty, she's long uh, and she doesn't have a lot of modulation. <laughs> um, it's not one that I pick to like listen to front to back frequently in part because it is so long. I feel the same way about like, what is it? The last great American dynasty uh, where it's like this kind See, of, I love both of those songs. They're good songs. They're, they're long narrative, nobody, no crime. All of these songs are ones that I don't reach for frequently because I feel like I need to be in the mood to listen to it once. And then I've gotten the story and I move on. And so I don't know, in part, I think maybe because Betty has both of these songs, Betty and You Belong With Me, have such predetermined narratives. The choices were to kind of play with that narrative or to just go all in, going hard in the paint, 100%, we are You Belong With Me jargists. Um, and so I just found that to be an interesting dynamic between the two. And it's something that I picked up as I was watching of like, okay, they seem like they're taking slightly different approaches. Like the Jarchi video, like we said, is cutting in stuff not from Riverdale, is cutting up dialogue to be kind of whack or to imply things that are actually true. The Betty video didn't really do that. It kind of went its own way as opposed to forcing itself into that one particular narrative. Well, I think in like, I don't know, maybe like going a little bit against the the Taylor Swift narrative, um, as mentioned at the beginning, I folklore definitely not an album I'm the most familiar with um so I did before I watched the Betty music video I went and I read the lyrics and I was like oh yeah 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 I was like this is one of those songs that like everyone was like hey this is this is really gay and Taylor was like actually don't you just think it's fun to like write things from different perspectives and like it really I Right. And also, Do like, I... my straight husband wrote this or whatever. Are they married? My, my straight man. <laughs> partner. My straight partner man. is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> um, but for, I was going to say, like, I'm not the most, I guess, like, plugged into, like, Swifty fandom. But from my understanding, like, everyone's like, okay, Taylor, that's nice. You're telling us this one thing. We as fans are adopting completely different lore. Because, like, how are you not going to, like listen to Betty or like look at the lyrics and be like this is like a queer song like this is gay um and it definitely feels like the fan vid is playing into that right like with this whole like with the Veronica question mark of it all and it's almost like like Taylor's like oh I'm like slipping into a different person's perspectives and then the fan vidder's like no we're like yanking this back like on course the way that everyone like thought it was originally yeah, I mean, I think there's also a ton to say just in general about fandom, it, like, taking things and being like, that's nice to the authors and being like, this is what we're going to do instead. Um, and I think, I mean, I think that's like, kind of the whole purpose of fandom sometimes. Um, so I think that like, yeah, the Betty one is has all of those layers of like, it's not, it's a song where people were already doing that. And then you also put this like, queer womanship on top of it um which i think is just like it's great it's great i love it i love betty the song and the character in riverdale thank you for joining me once again on this journey through uh riverdale fan vids i love them dearly again just a huge shout out to both of these vidders and also just like the riverdale fan vidding community in general i think you are all superb um 
I had a great time. I thought this was really fun to just do more like different mediums too. I am excited to like continue to expand that in the future here on Thick Click. Um, yeah, go watch them if you didn't earlier. Do it. You won't regret it. You'll have fun. Check them out. And I've been meaning to tell you, we have to talk about my fic now. Let's go. My fic for this episode is Sweet Tea in the Summer, Cross Your Heart Won't Tell No Other by Firewood Figs for the fandom Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood uh, and manga, I guess, so it may be anime and manga. I have not consumed either. So we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, the relationship is Riza slash Roy. We also have Riza and her mother uh, and Riza and her father. This is a song fic, technically. Um, it is for the song Seven, which is also where the title comes from. So throughout interspersed within the fic, we have these kind of chunks of lyrics. This fic also combines prose and poetry, um, so we have a fair amount of poetry woven in as well. In terms of content warnings, uh, this fic is fairly canon compliant to my understanding of the canon, which again is shoddy. Um, and as such, there are sort of explicit mentions of parent death, grief, and kind of war and violence as well. They're not graphic descriptions. Again, it's a very poetic fic. It's also under 4,000 words, uh, so it looks a lot more at the abstract bigger picture, but just FYI if those topics are sensitive for you. Um, I wanted to bring it in part because I thought it was really cool and genre-breaking. Again, I don't think we've done a song fic, uh, at least in this particular format, uh, where we have the lyrics interspersed throughout. This feels like a very like ff.net style to me. Like I remember that being such a thing there. I will mention <laughs> later on the like one very specific fic that I do remember reading that has really stuck with me in this style. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's an interesting and like new and different thing, which we were, we all brought something that we haven't really done before um, for this episode. Though I guess for reads, it's mostly like the fandom. <laughs> we'll take it. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to talk about like the format and the different styles of it. And also like some of these lines are bangers. Um, plus it is a fake that came out fairly recently. Um, and so I always like doing something that is not already like exploded into popularity. Yeah, those are my general introductory notes. Uh, fellow co-hosts, do you have your introductory thoughts prepared to tell to our ficlets? I don't know that I, like, ever really fully have something prepared, but, you know, I open my mouth and words come out, and sometimes I would actually argue, like, more often than not, it turns out okay. Despite very much, like, getting more into anime in the past, like, year or two, I have not consumed pretty much anything for Full Metal Alchemist or Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood or, like, the manga. Um, I know only a handful of things. Um, I know Brenna and I are both cursed with the same brain rot of hearing the TikTok audio that's like full metal alchemist, full metal alchemist, just like every time we say the name that is just please, maybe I'll insert it here in case you're not familiar. Full metal alchemist. Full metal alchemist. Whether I have or haven't just imagine that in your brain. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, so I, I went into this fic mostly on vibes. I was like, I'm not going to research like because it is so like poetic and abstract, like I don't need to know the canon stuff. And then there was, like, one thing in particular that made me literally go, like, what? What? Out loud. And so then I, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but not much. Um, 
despite not really knowing anything, I did enjoy this. Um, yeah, very different from stuff we brought in the pod and like stuff I've read kind of ever. Um, I have read some fics where like poetry, especially like original poetry, is inserted, but I think not in this particular way where it flows just so back and forth from poetry to prose poetry, like less than like here's a block of poetry now we're back to the block of the fic or whatever um and i did not consume a lot of song fic even back when they were more popular um so it's just like very fun and interesting to explore something that felt really different um and like nick said like there are some lines that like yeah they go hard um i don't know i just like um i just found it such a different reading experience in a way that i enjoyed even if at certain points i was like I'm not entirely sure what is, like, a nice poetic illusion versus, like, what is literally just a reference to the show's canon. Um, I'm sure the author was putting down some things I was not picking up, but that's on me, not the author. Yeah, I think the author definitely put down a lot of stuff I didn't pick up. I'm sorry, um, AO3 user Firewood Figs. I am entirely ignorant of anything to do with Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I think I watched the first episode like a long time ago, so I kind of know what the characters look like, but I don't really know anything about them or like the plot of the show slash manga slash anything. Um, yeah, so I was I was just going on vibes here, and there were a lot of vibes. Like that's the good news. I feel like this was a fic that was definitely readable um, and enjoyable if you were just going through on vibes, and the poetry definitely like helped with that. I think. Um, I don't know that I've really read much fic that had poetry in it in this way. Um, I definitely read like song fic before, um, which this this also is, but it's been a while. I was realizing, and so it was fun to like kind of come back to that concept and like it made me think about too like the rise and fall of popularity of certain styles of of writing within fan fiction like i don't know not even necessarily like can you call songfic like a trope i don't know um but a trend a tr- style, yeah genre i don't know <laughs> yeah styles maybe um i don't know it was just like it made me think about like things that i once seemed so popular in terms of how people are writing their fic that have really tapered off and new ones have risen in their place and perhaps things will cycle back through again and we'll see song fics explode in popularity one day it would be fun i think i think it's a cool um way of writing and like yeah one that we certainly haven't discussed on this pod before uh yeah i love the taylor swift song seven that also helped me get through this fic um just like get through in in the sense of like have some bearing because I really don't know anything about Riza or her life. So it was a little bit, I did get a little lost in, in parts. Um, especially cause like, yeah, it does kind of jump between different points in her life. Um, in this way that I think it executes well, but when you don't know anything about her, it's, it can be a little bit like you can feel a little unmoored in it. Um, so yeah, I think, I think like the fact that it was a song fic and like also a song that I'm familiar with, like helped give me a little bit more of like an anchor point, uh, throughout this as well. Yeah. It does feel like whenever we do fandoms that none of us know, like it really is breaking into someone's house and then like getting lost in it and being like, yeah, hmm, where does this hallway go? They should make it more clear. And it's like, no, the people who live here, like live in this house. <laughs> we just like yeah. climbed in through a window, like little raccoons good times (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, anyway, um, I did want to say just really quickly that the song, like, I can't remember what the specific song was, but I remember the premise. And the song was something along the lines of like, Drops of Jupiter or like the man who can't be moved. Like it was in that uh, guitar, I love you girl genre um, of like the early, the early aughts. Um, and it was the mortal instruments. It was Clary slash Jace. And it was like the last night on earth. Like it was an apocalypse. It was very like if, if, if the world was ending was out at that point, that would have been the song for sure. Um, but I remember it was like on ff.net and it had the little chunks and it was them like debating like what they should do and if they should go be with each other. Da da da. Anyway, that's my reference for song fix in my head. That plus like, again, we know that I started my fandom journey and the fandom glee you won't be shocked to hear that there were a lot of song fix, so like whatever. I thought you were going to say uh, your own journey into song fic with a fic you started, um, as as with anything you do or most things you do, half in jest, half in seriousness. Technically, as a birthday gift to me, where I think the most recent chapter, or maybe the one you were writing, no, the most recent chapter uh-huh. was song fic. Mm-hmm. Um, no promises, Demi Lovato, yes. Momo has a knife. There's lots going on, but the song had very little to do with the chapter and more just like was I there. I agree with that personally. Well, anyway, that's what I thought you were going to say for your other major experience because that is um that's what comes to mind for me with song fic because I cannot think of any other fic. Wow, I'm an um, icon. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean you frequently are in one way or another an icon of my AO3 <laughs> history, sometimes said with joy. And sometimes said in this tone of half resignation. <laughs> and that's beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this like, I think one thing about song fic too is I frequently think about it as like, there's a song and a person decided that they wanted to write a fic based on the events or plot or like arc of the song. Almost in the way that the You Belong With Me Jarchi video put Jarchi in You Belong With Me. This author seems to somehow have reverse engineered the meaning of Seven by Taylor Swift to completely fit this, I believe, backstory. I don't think all of this happens like on screen uh, between Reza and Roy in Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, which I absolutely loved. Like, you know, it's the same thing as listening to Already Gone by Kelly Clarkson for the first time when you're like 13 and you're looking out the car window with like one singular cinematic tear thinking about Katniss and Peeta. Like yeah. you, you've taken the song and you've made it your own for your own reason. Or, you know, like listening to a song and thinking about your favorite ship or whatever. And you're like, this is mine now. That is very much how this felt, but I was amazed at how well they managed to make it fit. <laughs> Like, it kind of shocked me. I was like, I never would have thought Seven by Taylor Swift could be about this. So I appreciated that. I will also, um, before we move on, Ficklets, in case, like us, you're not familiar, I'm going to give the the barest, fastest version of this plot as I understand it, which is that Reza's mother dies when she's quite young. She lives with her father, who is an alchemist, and who ends up becoming so absorbed in his work that it consumes the rest of his life, basically. They get an apprentice, student, Roy, who comes to learn from Reza's father. They become friends. Roy leaves. Reza's father worsens. He literally tattoos his life's work of an equation onto her back for like making fire without fuel. And then later on, Riza goes to war after her father dies, reconnects with Roy, and they use this fire basically to do like really terrible things. And it's tragic. So that's just your your barest bones understanding. Most of this takes place during her um, childhood and young adulthood. We don't really get into the after part of 
what I just shared, but hopefully that's helpful as we continue talking about this. Nick, what you were saying about like the experience of listening to a song and making it your own, I think is such an intrinsic, like it's so vital to fandom, that experience and the fact that we've all been there. And I, I would wager that like basically anyone in fandom has had that experience in like some capacity. Um, I think both my fan vids and your fic like follow through on that concept in such different ways, yeah. but like in a way that I find really fascinating because like you were saying, like the Jarchi and like Betty videos make it so literal. Um, and this one is much more of that, like, okay, well, I really like this song. So I really want to see how I can like fit it to my ship and I'm just going to make it work. And this author like makes it work. Um, and I just, I think that's, like, really, it's admirable and it's cool. Because, like, honestly, if I read this fic without Seven in it, and you were like, okay, assign a Taylor Swift song to this, I don't <laughs> yes. know that I would pick Seven. Um, but then I think it works when you're reading the little bits in between. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I just thought that was neat. And, like, it was really reminding me of just, like, that experience I've had in so many fandoms where you would get attached to like a character or a ship or something and you're just listening to playlists and you're like, oh, this one, this one, this one, I'm going to make a playlist. And like, it's incomprehensible to everyone who like doesn't live in your own brain. And I love that this person, I can imagine had that experience and then literalized it onto paper for the rest of us. So we could also live in their brain about that. Um, I don't know. That's just like the magic of fandom. I think it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it really does feel like you and I, wholeheartedly like it's not a joke getaway car is a song about valtteri botas and other <laughs> yeah. people and and like outside people are gonna be like this, what this formula one driver like this is nothing but to us we have a whole rich lore and it's built and it's there it's and it's everything. real it is everything something else um i wanted to talk about with this fic that i really appreciated like We've talked on the pod about authors taking sort of big swings um, or doing things that are different. And, you know, as we've already discussed, like, I think a number of things about this feel pretty different. Um, and something that I personally appreciated, uh, and, and I will acknowledge that I am probably projecting a lot of myself here, but that's okay, um, is like, I, I appreciated the guts that it takes to post um, your own original poetry in the middle of, like, fic for AO3. Um I was, uh, in part, an English major in college. My One of my absolute least favorite classes I had to take for that major was poetry. I did not like the professor. I did not like the kind of poetry he was teaching. And, like, in part, I think, because poetry, like, writing poetry has never been my jam, but also in part maybe because of the class. Like, one of the most wretched things for me every week was having to share my poems with the class and get them critiqued. Like, I did not mind getting critiqued in any other creative writing class I had. But poetry, like, there's a specific kind of vulnerability and like for me specific awfulness that came with it um and so i was just yeah i was really in admiration of this author for not only like kind of wilding out with song fic prose poetry actual poetry like just a really different structure all the way through but being able to like presumably just do it and like with joy be like look at this thing that i made that i'm like so excited about as brenna said like letting us into their brain a little bit um yeah I, I admire and appreciate you, AO3 user Firewood Fix. It's so funny to me. I mentioned this during our pre-discussion. I posted multiple, like, poem as fix when I was younger and found it to be, like, a very fun and interesting exercise. And I, like, slammed in college and stuff. We love, we love poetry. Uh, I love poetry. I like reading poetry <laughs> of a certain kind. 
having to like speak at a poetry slam is like Fun. genuinely giving a like it, there's a it's pit the in my pumping. stomach oh my god no thank I, you competing in a slam oh baby i am exceedingly picky about poetry i'm sorry <laughs> um I don't know. A lot of it doesn't hit for me. And then when it does hit, it like hits, you know, but like it's it's a more rare occurrence for me. And I certainly never enjoyed being forced to write it in school. Um, But I didn't really enjoy being forced to write anything that wasn't just like academic papers in school. So I definitely differ from my co-hosts in that regard. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think there's also something really fun, like Reed said about the prose poetry aspect here. There isn't a super clear divide between the poetry sections and the prose sections. Um, Even in some of the prose sections, you get very poetic phrases. We start slipping into fragments at points. Um, One of my favorite turns, and Brenna mentioned this too, of like taking certain lyrics and making them work, um, is when we meet Roy for the first time, the lyric goes, are there still beautiful things? Four years later, her father's new apprentice shows up on the porch, brimming with nothing but potential, or so her father claims. That was such a, like, nice turn. I liked it so much. I thought it was really well done. And it was also, like, I think the perfect point to pivot from how much grief there is in the first part of this story. It's really heavy. It's intense. It's a dark time in her life. Um, And so I thought it was just so, like... (laughs) I love when there's multiple levels of the text to analyze. And so it's like, where do you put each lyric? How do you split up the blocks of lyrics? Because sometimes it's like within like the actual verse, you get half the verse. Sometimes you get like the full chorus. Sometimes you get half of it, one line at certain points. Like you have to make so many decisions here. And I like how intentional all of these decisions felt and how they contributed to the flow of the story. Nick, briefly, what you were just saying about like, um, pivoting from like all of the grief in the beginning of this fic because it starts with Riza's mom dying and I was like how many moms die in this canon because the only things I know about this show are that like there are two brothers they try to bring their mom back from the dead it doesn't go well one of the brothers becomes a robot that's not accurate but close enough they put his soul in like a suit of armor I think the other one loses at least one limb maybe more than one I don't really know um, there's a wretched episode with a dad a dog and a daughter and Roy recruits them to the government to be child soldiers that's all i know and then what you get from this fic it just like keeps getting worse like this fic had me thinking so much about what on earth the full metal alchemist canon is because it feels like anytime riza gets like a tiny bit of happiness it is then immediately taken away like she has something nice with roy but then roy leaves um her like the her dad inscribing his like alchemy equation on her back is kind of wretched and then she gives it to Roy presumably I imagine maybe the moment in the show or the manga or whatever where she gives it to him if it's not nice it's probably full of meaning right that she's like choosing to entrust this to him right or like hopeful right like maybe we can use this to do something good like maybe all of that suffering by her dad's side like watching him descend more and more like maybe something good could come of it and then Roy as flame alchemist I think causes a lot of like horrible wretched destruction that makes Riza feel like as far as I interpreted from this fic like sick to her stomach and it's just like I don't know I was just thinking a lot about like this seems like a canon that is well primed for uh, discussions and looks at grief um because like I don't really know if anyone gets to be happy presumably the show itself also has to have moments of levity because I do not think people could get through that canon if it was just like miserable all the time um 
but yeah i don't know i mean even even in, in this fix lighter moments nothing is ever really truly like light which is interesting because there is so much light and fire imagery throughout all of the poetry mm. um obviously fire right it's a huge part of this and like alchemy is a thing and it works in a way in full metal alchemist brotherhood that i don't know but something something equations something energy something something magic adjacent stuff maybe um as you were talking you reminded me of the very last line of the fic uh well before the final like quote uh anyway there's like a little quote from wilfred owen but before that it says that summer the desert barren swollen with grief dreams of glory frayed and worn and like yeah bestie that is the vibe here Riza. i'm so sorry <laughs> you have been through so much one of my notes just says tragic girl which i think is her reality again i do think this is like a backstory for a side pairing um so i don't fully know how it shows up in the show necessarily but it is dark what's not dark is one thing I wanted to mention that I thought was so cute about this fic is that the comments are so nice. There are four of them and they are lovely. Um, and like there are little moments of poetry even within these. Um, also like key smashing happening and stuff, which I guess can be its own kind of poetry. Um, but one of my favorite ones comes from AO3 user Honey Whiskey, aka Smooth Shine, uh, which reads... I always tend to think of some kind of association for a certain writer and or their writing style, and I really like how your works are straight up ballads. That's so nice. I feel like if someone told me that, I would get so emotional. Um, I like that so much, and it feels very true, right? If you think about the traditional definition of a ballad, like this song with a story that carries these emotions through it, like that feels so reminiscent of the rhythm and the flow of this particular story, and I imagine this author's other works. Uh, this does not seem like it is this author's first rodeo with grief, <laughs> from what I can tell. Uh, a different a uh, commenter said, your work has this veil of grief that sometimes almost chokes me because it becomes too heavy and I can only mourn for Riza and all the losses in her life. Like, yeah, also extremely true. Um, I just like, I think there's something so cool about this person being like, I don't know what this is in their, in their author's notes. Like, I wrote this very quickly. The idea just sort of came to me. Dr. Allison Swift got me again. I did love that. Um, and so I'm just going to throw this down and we're going to see what happens. It's experimental. And to be met with all of this, like, excitement and joy, I just found it really charming. And I was so delighted to see that. I don't know. I always love whenever we do um, anything, really, but especially, like, um, less massively popular fix on the pod to go jump down and see what the comments are saying, because there's always... I don't know, like it's this additional conversation and extension, not only of story, but of the fanish experience as a whole that I think we tend to talk about a lot on a meta level. So I always love doing that. It's kind of like on this podcast, as you said, we are little raccoons sneaking into the house of someone. <laughs> but like sometimes the houses that we are sneaking into are just like, oh, wow, look at this. Look at this lovely, like found family of four who are all yeah. enjoying this little life they built for each other. Like it's such an individual little thing. Like, yeah, yeah. like maybe they left the back door open. Yeah. And they're hoping that the people who show up are like, <laughs> are not raccoons. <laughs> yeah, are not raccoons. <laughs> no, but like, I don't know. You were just, just you saying about like enjoying fix that don't have a lot of kudos, but then like seeing what the comments are. Like, I feel like that is so we are really like looking through a window into like a small 
I don't want to say like pure pocket of fandom, but like, I don't know, it does kind of feel that way. Very heartwarming, maybe. So that was our discussion on Sweet Tea in the Summer, Cross My Heart Won't Tell No Other. Um, I really liked, we said so many things about this fic, but I think one of my very favorite things is just how little it felt like anything else we've gotten to talk about. We have been doing this podcast for a while now. Um, My god, we are coming up on three years in a couple months, (laughs) which is so weird to think about. I mean, okay, in like four months, a third of a year, but still. Two and two-thirds years is kind of a long time to be doing a show, so I always find it very, like, cool and special when we're able to find things that feel new, and that we're able to continually do so, I think keeps me really excited about this show, and the things that we're able to do, and, like, bring each other, like, if we're raccoons, maybe we're scavenging and bringing each other little shiny trinkets to look at together in our raccoon circle. This metaphor is getting away from me. I don't know how (laughs) raccoons live. Mixing some, I think, like, crow imagery in there. Oh, true. Raccoons probably like shiny things too, right? Probably. They can. We do. <laughs> anyway, I just really appreciated that uh, and getting to see a lot of the sort of metatextual elements of it as well and how many different layers there were to this story made me think about how many layers there are to, like, how we make decisions about what we bring to the show and how we talk about it and how we pre-discuss and how we organize ourselves. So... Overall, a joy. Thank you, co-hosts, for coming with me on yet another We Don't Know This Fandom journey. (laughs) Appreciated. I imagine there will be many more in the next two and two-thirds years, assuming that we continue doing the pod that long. I believe it. I'm assuming. Now I'm lying on the cold, hard ground. Ow! Read? My fic this episode is Wolves of Swift River by Wispobby um, for the fandom Taylor Swift musician. The pairing is Carly Kloss, Taylor Swift, um, additional tags, werewolves, magical realism, alternate universe. Um, and as the author says in their author's notes, um, it has nothing to do with reality. And in fact, if Taylor Swift and Carly Kloss are werewolves, they've done a phenomenal job of hiding it. Um, yes, I first encountered this fic. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, I think like it was like Novemberish 2020. I was doing research for I think our first um, host rec exchange where we bring fix that we think the other host will like. I was looking through the collection. Don't have to know canon fem slash rec fest. Um, came across this one. Was enjoying kind of how whack it was, but then ended up finding um, a fic that I felt more suited to like personally be tailored for Nick. Um, but this has just been sort of in the back of my brain. And as I was doing research for the Taylor episode, I was like, well. What if I brought this one? Um, Yeah, it is. It just really takes an absurd premise and runs with it, no pun intended, so seriously. Um, Not like it's like a heavy fic, like it is a funny fic, but it is kind of, um, as Nick said in our pre-discussion, literary absurdism. This fic features a whole host of characters, including the Heim sisters, Selena Gomez, Harry Styles, Nick Grimshaw, mentions of Justin Bieber. Um, It was written in 2015, and it It feels um, of that era, in part because of, I think, the ship and the people, but also just sort of to go into the content warnings. As I mentioned, this fic, like, it is pretty funny. It takes a pretty humorous tone. Um, But I think a little bit by being a product of its time and maybe the people it's written about, um, there's some gender stuff in there that I think kind of borders on, like, gender essentialism, um, very much like boys are one way and girls are another. Um, And also just general, like, 
white feminism. Um, that that vibe is there in the fic. Um, but I don't think there are like content warnings in terms of like it's not like a werewolf story where there's like gore. Um, n- none of that really going on here. Yeah, I just thought this was a wild ride of a fic. Um, I am excited to talk about it. I feel like my co-hosts probably know more of this era and these people than I do. Um, but yeah, I am curious to hear what you guys thought about it. Yeah, this was a really wild ride and very fun. Um, yeah, an absurd premise treated very seriously. Well, not very seriously, but like treated in earnest in the writing, I think. Um is something that I always enjoy, and like this one executed it so well. It definitely feels of a particular moment in fandom to me for like a variety of reasons. And like a moment in fandom I was in, I just like never read this. <laughs> um, and so I think it's like extra funny to me that like reads the one of us bringing this because I feel like it's a fandom moment that Nick and I were both in more than Reed was. Um, So I don't know. I just like got a little bit of extra joy from that on like a personal level. Uh, But yeah, I had a really good time reading this. Um, I definitely think we have a bunch of stuff to talk about with it. And like, I'm also curious to see where our discussion goes based on the fact that this is a fic that like has Taylor as a character isn't as much like, oh, using a Taylor song like Nick and I's choices were. Um, So I'm curious to see like the through lines we can like pull together about the theme for this episode here. Um, But yeah, I thought it was delightful. I think we have a lot to talk about with it. Um, Yeah, definitely of a particular era in a way that I found enjoyable to revisit. Also a little bit like, yeah, there were a few moments that like didn't really hit for me now reading it and like, 2022 but i think that's to be expected so i was surprised at how cozy this fic felt based on like the summary and my understanding of what it was like it very much is a lot of found family you got like your found sisterhood and stuff with the girls um who are all werewolves and it's it's very much like a ragtag team of like oh taylor's girls uh who all need a place to go and token boy and token boy yes of course um yeah and like they're at this cabin and it snows there in the winter and they like run around and are like shifting and stuff it's very interesting um and it did in a lot of ways feel quite cozy um especially earlier on when carly is first getting acclimated um there are these like movie nights and fingernail painting very like sleepovery vibes and baking it really feels like this of the moment sisterhood utopia that I think people were portraying this friend group in the media as, or that maybe it wanted to be portrayed in the media as. It was very fascinating on that meta level for me. Um, I thought it was fun. I have um, a lot of thoughts about like how the different characters sort of function and operated in here. Um, and like, you know, these different little notes about um, the language and how it supported Carly's arc from being afraid to speak up to telling a man to fuck off because that really feels like her internal growth arc in this story. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was fun. Like, I really did enjoy it. Um, if I had received it in the rec exchange when Reed was considering it, I also would have been very appreciative. So thank you for bringing <laughs> it anyway. I'm glad I got to read it. I feel like this one's been in the back of all our heads for a while of like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, the fic that got away. <laughs> happy to oblige um yeah i mean i definitely think sort of going off of what all of us were saying about it being of the moment and nick you saying this like 
they wanted to present this image of like sisterhood in this friend group. Like this fic came out in 2015. The Bad Blood music video came out in 2014. And I feel like for me, like that music video was the peak of the like Taylor, like Taylor's friend group, her clique. Like look at all of these people that she's like friends with. Like look at everyone she can pull in. Like I remember reading maybe a BuzzFeed article, who knows, like kind of around that ish time about how whether or not this is accurate, like, how Taylor popularized the idea of, like, a clique um, or, like, having that, like, core friend group of, like, wow, like, you're all so well-known, you're all so tight-knit, you're all, like, it's this almost, like, exclusive club that people want to be, like, let into. Um, and I, I feel like this fic maybe doesn't mirror that tone so much as it mirrors the, like, yeah, like, you have this sisterhood pack plus token boy Harry and, like, you're throwing in all of these names of people who are sort of in that general sphere at that time. Um, and I will say also, I think, just uh, fic being of the era, yes, this is not of Taylor Swift music as intrinsically linked to the fan works the way that my co-hosts brought, um, but it does have an 8-tracks playlist. Um, God bless, I genuinely kind of miss 8-tracks playlists for, like, fix and fandom. The track listing is still on Wispobby's Tumblr, thank God, because 8-tracks is a site technically still exists but is really not functional um but just looking at some of the artists like kina granis and delta ray like everybody wants to rule the world by lord i was like yeah uh-huh uh-huh i am so being transported back to like this moment in fandom history oh i wonder if another girl that they'll get to join their clique or their it's not a <gasps> click in this but they're like werewolf uh-huh. pack um will be lord eventually because you know <laughs> Yeah, she she's on in there with with the crew here. If she can get herself over from New Zealand, because I assume in this world she's not like world famous superstar Lord. Unless probably oh, unless mm, a fun twist. It would be really funny for like a Taylor and like Selena, all of these people to be like normal. Like Zendaya shows up at the very end. All of them to be just like quote unquote like <laughs> normal people, but then Lord still gets to be Lord. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's good. I mean, where would we be as a society without pure heroin the album? So Yes. I mean, where would we be as a society without like any of the things that these people have created? <laughs> True. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Taylor as a werewolf is very good and funny, but not having Taylor's albums in this world would make me very sad. Yeah, maybe she goes on to write them. Yeah, after maybe the canon of this fic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Reed, you were just saying, like, oh, in this they're all normal people and not superstars, which is true, but they're not really normal people, they're werewolves. Um, And I guess in this world, there's a few different ways you can become werewolves, like, you can either be, like, born into it and your whole family's werewolves, or, like, you get bitten and become one. Um, That's what I took away from the lore, at least, I hope that's correct. so our girl Carly, um, who's our POV character in this, has gotten bit... Uh, in when she's living in like is it St. Louis? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um and is kind of getting warned that being in a city isn't really good for a werewolf, so she goes and tries to find like where would it be good to be a werewolf? And she uh gets pointed in Taylor's direction who has a pack of um werewolves up in New Hampshire and it's all the fit people that we were just talking about. Um and also Nick Grimshaw's hanging around. He's not a werewolf though. He's like a witch. Um important stuff to note here (laughs) um but i think something that we wanted to talk about in this app was like the portrayal of like the monstrous in this um 
I think like there's definitely a few different avenues to to go down. I know Rude wanted to talk about kind of like monst- monstrosity and like queerness as presented in this fic because I think that's a very strong uh, allegory it's putting forth. Um, there's also definitely a lot that it's trying to say about like monstrosity and feminism or femininity. Um, some of which I think still lands. Some of which I think feels a little bit a little white feminism-y. Um, but also, like, I was saying this to my co-host, and I feel like if AO3 user Waspabi came up to me and was like, oh, yeah, but I did that kind of, like, tongue-in-cheek, I'd be like, oh, I believe you. I just, like, don't... It's one of those things where I'm not entirely sure the author's right. intentions, so I feel like you could and, like, kind of take it either way. of what we know of, like, the work that they put out and the right. kinds of framing that they've used, especially in 2015, it would be so easy, yeah, to think that that's an intentional choice versus not. I mean, regardless of how we're reading it, I think there is a lot in there to commentate on. Yeah, there's a line that like both made me laugh, but I also like wanted to bring it up for this um, in a more serious manner is like, you know, a a lot of this is Carly kind of coming to terms with how she viewed herself before versus how she's viewing herself now. And like some of that deals with her sexuality, but also it's dealing with like this breakdown of what she always imagined herself to be this kind of like, perfect girl in a lot of ways it's like ballerina all of these things this very like hyper feminine stuff that is like inherently getting broken down because she's now like running around potentially (laughs) ripping animals apart with her teeth like on the full moon you know but she has this line that's like uh carly thinks about the phrase a wolf in sheep's clothing and and she thinks that they're all just wolves in mascara wolves in ballet flats and there's a wolf in every woman's heart because there has to be to be a woman and to live in this world which i think is like a lot of what this fic is putting forth in terms of its like thesis on femininity um i don't know i think it does like it fits in very well with what we know of like Taylor of this era. I feel like she would have vibed with this is I guess what I'm getting at. Um, it's like, I don't know that that made me laugh a little bit, but I also thought it was like interesting in the context of this fic. Um, yeah, I think there's like a lot we could pull apart there um, about just like the various journeys Carly's going on that the other members are going on um, and kind of like what, what, what it is that they previously might have hold, held true about themselves is like getting broken down because of their like werewolf journeys. Yeah, I think some of the language that I was referencing too, especially things that like I feel like did really hit for me, align with some of the things you were saying, Bren. Um, one of them I just wrote the raw howl of her, and then in all caps, yes, because <laughs> I liked that so much. Uh, and then a girl walked home alone at night. There was a monster. There was blood, and it was hers. And just whew. Because I really like some of the ways that this fic really, like, almost codifies violence as necessary, as different, as not unfeminine. Um, I feel like that was actually a big shift, maybe, for this character of Carly, that previously violence was unfeminine, and then after she turned, it was not anymore. And so I find that very interesting. Um, I think, like, it can very easily go to a place of, like, my knife is mascara that's not what i that's not the metaphor i wanted to use <laughs> my, my my knife is mascara actually when i got to the kitchen actually. i don't use knives i use the little mascara one to like cut my avocado gross <laughs> Brenna, you're gonna give yourself like a, a disease yeah like Maybe. in multiple ways it seems like what don't if i use a clean that. one i mean i guess it just would be inefficient okay you're gonna have like avocado really eyelash okay what I mean not- to say is 
I'm not Finding moving on. We can't keep on. doing this. I have to move on. Um, what I mean to say is it can, I think, very easily sway into the, like, we are the granddaughters of the witches they couldn't burn mm-hmm. kind of a sense of, like, ooh, there's something dangerous about the boredom of teenage girls. Uh, like, sure. Um, but I did like, in in some ways, the way that this pushed against the idea of violence as masculine. So I found that interesting. And I think that there were times when the turns of phrase really made that work for me in this story. On this topic of monstrosity, but backtracking a little bit to what Brent had mentioned about, like, queerness and monstrosity, um, I think the, like, monsters as a metaphor for queerness is super explicit in this text or, like, very in your face. Um, I mean, like, it it starts basically with... Yeah, Carly gets turned and is told, like, it's not illegal to be a werewolf in public, but it's kind of, like, frowned upon. And there's certain, like, there's certain towns or places that would be safer for you than others. Um, There's a whole narrative about uh, Carly's, like, family, like, kind of disconnecting from her and, like, some of the quote-unquote, like, I think wolf blood, the people who were, like, born wolves into wolf families, like, not really understanding why, like, Carly's family wouldn't be accepting and, like, blah 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 this whole thing. Um... But, like, that's a pretty common thing in media. Like, historically, okay, I, t- I took, like, one gender and film class in college. I'm pulling on, like, sort of what I learned then. That was many years ago. But, like, historically, like, queer characters could only be shown if they were the villains, if they were quite literally monsters. Um, and so queer people were identifying with them regardless of, like, the viewers were supposed to see here's this thing that is bad and wrong and different like here's this thing that is other and therefore it's a thing to be like feared and shunned and then the queer people were like but this is the only way i see myself so i'm choosing to sort of reclaim this into something different and i was doing like a very passing google search about sort of what like text there might be about um queerness and monstrosity and did not give myself as much time to do research as i would have wanted but a lot of things specifically about like werewolves came up um somebody like did a thesis that was about like um the title is becoming the monster queer monstrosity and the reclamation of the werewolf in slash fandom um so really narrowing in on that one um but yeah i don't know i I found it an interesting thing to sort of weave in that yeah again with some of the gender stuff there's like conversations especially i think between like esty and carly that are very like oh, I like men, like, I like penis, like, over and over and over again, like, and that bit's a little bit, like, I don't know, yeah, maybe maybe not great. Um, but there's no shame around queerness the way that there is a lot of shame for Carly around her becoming a werewolf. Um, and I think those two things are sort of meant to to mirror each other. Absolutely. I mean, the, the scene that comes to mind for me most in that regard is the Thanksgiving scene where mm-hmm. they all have all this family coming in. Carly still has not figured out how to talk to her parents about this. And like, absolutely, this whole thing with her parents is a coming out process, right? It's like such a clear allegory there. Of They don't really know what to do with it. They're uncomfortable. They're not reaching out. She's not really sure. She's nervous to talk to them. She doesn't know what they're going to think exactly. It's unusual, right? Werewolves are not as accepted in Missouri. Like there's, it's so one-to-one in a lot of ways. And I did think a lot about that Thanksgiving scene where she was pretty much the only one that didn't have family, um, aside from our guy, Nick Grimshaw, who I loved so much in this fic. He was so good. Um, and he's like, oh, like, Glossy, you gotta help me out here. Thanksgiving freaks me out. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, clearly trying to keep her talking, get her distracted, get her laughing. And they go off and do their own thing. And that feels in itself like a very, like, 
queer alliance in its own way of like, all right, we don't have family at this Thanksgiving, but we're going to talk to each other, have each other found familyisms. And also, you know, later on in the story, spoilers, whatever, we do get Carly communicating with her parents again and reaching out and bridging that gap when she's accepted a lot more about herself than she was able to. It felt like for being so one-to-one, I also thought it was really elegantly executed. And so I really liked that. Yes, not too like in your face about it in a way that like you think it might be because of the premise of like, oh, we're using werewolfism as an allegory for queerness in some ways. Um, But yeah, I think I think it actually like was executed very well in that regard. Um, But yeah, I also was gonna say like, one of the things that I think makes this fic very of a moment for me is Nick Grimshaw as queer mentor. I Like, I was saying this to my co-host yesterday. Look, I love Taylor. Like, I love what Taylor's created. But my favorite person out of the people featured in this fic is Nick. <laughs> I've always been a big Nick Grimshaw fan. I love him. Um, I love when he appears in a fic. And, like, particularly when he appears and, like, people actually do a good job of, like, writing him and making him enjoyable and lovely. And it also executed that thing where you kind of have an ensemble cast that might start to feel like caricatures of themselves. Like, it kept them feeling pretty real as people throughout all of this and like it's always a little tough with rpf because you're taking what's publicly shown of a person and then making it into a character and like how do you keep that from being a caricature um but i don't know i think this one like executed that well amidst its like absurdist premise um but also thought something that was like kind of interesting and i don't know this kind of goes back to our discussions on what is the werewolfism lycanthropy I suppose you could say, um, an allegory for... <laughs> no, I like werewolfism. <laughs> um, thank you. Uh, I definitely can think of words. Um, because I think there's also this kind of, like, I feel like Carly holds some shame about how she got turned. Um, like, she was just, like, walking home at night and, like, wakes up a werewolf. And I think part of that also has this, like, feeling of, you know... It's somewhere in the realm of, like, violence against women, but also just, like, maybe potentially, like, sexual violence in general. Like, we're not supposed to assume that that actually, like, was, like, sexual violence against her um, as part of the turning, but that she kind of thinks of it that way. And I think, like, the shame she holds about it, like, really mirrors to me, like, shame that victims hold about sexual violence, Um, which I just thought was, like, another interesting note of, like, how this fic kind of complicates the narrative of like what the lycanthropy means for different people in this. And like, I think it's another aspect where like Carly sees the ease in which Taylor and others are able to be werewolves, especially the ones who are like quote wolf bloods who've like been born into the families versus those of them who like got turned particularly against their will, like she did. And like the struggle to come to terms with that, especially like when she can't remember like what happened. Um, Sorry, I probably should put, like, some kind of trigger warning on this, like, uh, part of this discussion because it wasn't really, like, in the fic explicitly. But I don't know. I do think it's, like, implicitly in the fic um, and something that, like, kind of complicates the narrative of, like, violence and femininity in it. Yeah, I do agree with that, Bren. I think that, yeah, there is some implicit violation that happens and that is how it is received by Carly and also the reader. Um, And I think because the fic opens with that, 
you could think it's quite dark. As I started it, I was like, oh boy, we're going here. Um, and then like I said really early on, it ended up being quite cozy and quite charming and quite humorous in a lot of ways. Like I think Waspabi worked very hard to make pieces of this lighthearted where they maybe didn't like they didn't have to do that but i thought it really did serve the narrative of growth healing learning things about yourself in a safe space and yeah this like sort of utopian image um, of a place where you can be safe and you can be happy and you can be a woman and you can unleash yourself however you want to this is all really interesting. And one part in particular that I found quite funny was they do watch, um, I believe it's the Real House Witches <laughs> as opposed to the Real Housewives. <laughs> that made me laugh so much. That was part of their little like sleepover routine. I think some of them seem more into it than others. Um, but I did absolutely love that bit and it made me laugh. This is like not really about the fic, but since this is the Taylor Swift episode, I do feel like this is the place to tell this story. Um, when I was just like chatting with Bren earlier, I mentioned that I was kind of surprised that of all of the cast of characters that we get, um, Ed Sheeran never shows up because he was also very much of this era. Um, and it did make me think about the time when I was in high school and my friend was like, hey, um, is there any chance you'd want to come to like an Ed Sheeran concert with me? And I was like, oh, sure. Like, I like going to concerts. I don't. I know what's on the radio for his songs. I don't really know anything else. But like, why not? And she was like, OK, great. It's actually not an Ed Sheeran concert. It was the Red Tour. So she was like, it's it's Ed Sheeran and Taylor Swift. So it's mostly Taylor Swift. But like Ed Sheeran has like a significant opener. And this was, um, as I kind of alluded to, I've gone up and down about my feelings about Taylor Swift. And the Red album was, listen. I can't believe this. I was sort Slander. of like on. I, I was feel like it's a mute read on Zoom. Listen, I was on Tumblr and I did sort of, you know, when Tumblr decides to sort of like be over someone, I fell victim to that with Taylor. Also, I just whatever the album, I think was fine. It doesn't matter. I had I had seen her in tour for Speak Now and then my opinion went back down until 1989 skyrocketed again, regardless. Um, so my friend was like, do you want to go to this concert? I was like, sure. We go. Uh, she realizes she's purchased incorrect tickets. There's a whole big thing, whatever. We managed to like stand at like a balcony so that we could watch Ed Sheeran. He was honestly pretty good live. I had a good time. Then we had to like go back, get new tickets. And we were like up in the nosebleeds for like waiting for Taylor. And we we're like, you know what? We're like already here. We like we might as well watch blah, blah, blah. She comes out. She gets through a song and a half. And both of us are like, I am so over this i don't want to be here so we called her mom and her mom came and picked us up so we had tickets to a taylor swift concert um and we only stayed for the opener whoever it was and then ed sheeran and then we left like i don't even know um, what to say me either i've heard this multiple times and every time i just yeah. i can't pisses me off. it's i think it's so funny <laughs> just like Put it next to, like, put that story next to my, like, I said, speak, no, fearless. My, like, little, like, fearless t-shirt that I have because I did also go to that tour. <sighs> anyway. Anyway. Well, if I may, I have, not Taylor Swift, but I have a, a Shakira joke if you want to hear it. Oh, sure. About this thing. Yes. Because, like, I feel like I, kn I know the vein we're going to be in, but it. I'm ready for yeah. it. You probably know it. Because, like, in Wolves of Swift River, like, literally there is a she-wolf and she is in the closet. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And on that note, um, this has been our discussion of Wolves of Swift River by Wispabi, um, a fic that contains multitudes. Um, as we said, kind of literary absurdism in how the premise is pretty whack, but the author 
treats it with some level of seriousness. Uh, yeah, a, a wild ride, but one that I enjoyed and that I am glad that my co-hosts enjoyed. Um, sorry to Taylor Swift that I bailed at your concert in like 2015-ish. This episode, I feel like, can start making it up to her. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Taylor, if you're listening, I do sincerely <laughs> apologize. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Fit Click. Uh, we hope you enjoy it as much as we have enjoyed creating it um, and going on this little Taylor Swift themed journey with us. If you have thoughts about Taylor in fandom, Taylor themed content, um, just Taylor in general, like hit me up. I would love to hear them. Um, <laughs> you can do so by finding us uh, on our social media. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Fit Click um, and you can also join our Discord discord through a link there um it's a happening community or where you could potentially talk about taylor swift we usually don't but like we could um maybe we will <laughs> we might see you there too you can also reach us long form by email at ficklickpod at gmail.com ficklets i have a problem we have not received a single bloodless email I was since the last say, episode. I was going like, to say. Are we a joke to you? Do people like, just not I'm listen real, to this like, part? I'm a living, breathing person out in the world waiting for bloodless emails. Like, am I like just a character in your head? I understand if you're going in the RPF direction. But like, also listen to me telling you I want bloodless emails stat. Thank you so much. So you can email us about Bloodless, but you can also email us other things if you would like to communicate things to us if you want us to see things, if you have questions, whatever. We are always happy to see those. While you're on our socials, particularly our Twitter, it's very easy to find in our pinned tweet, our Redbubble shop, if you would like to get some merch. It is a really great way to rep the pod and also to go towards putting us not in the red on hosting costs. So we got we have a long way to go to make that that <laughs> deficit up. Figlets, if you would like to make up for the disappointment of none of you sending bloodless emails, um one way that you can do that for us is by, you know, promoing the pod. Uh we are still despite uh two and two thirds years into this, we're still a pretty little pod and the best way to grow is word of mouth. Um so truly like any way you want to get the word out about FitClick, whether that's retweeting us on your Twitter or maybe like telling a friend about it, posting on your Tumblr, posting on your blog, whatever it might be. Um yeah, just sort of letting your friends know how much you enjoy hit podcast FitClick. It would really help us out. And if you'd like something to sort of um get your friends, followers, etc. hyped for FitClick um, to come, our next episode will be coming out on August 19th. It is not a themed episode, um, so just your regular three fic format. And Brenna, what will you be bringing for that episode? My pick for next episode is Taking Some Time by Tetrapod. Uh, this is a Formula One fic for Max Verstappen and Daniel Ricciardo. It's a canon divergent fic where Max never becomes a Formula One driver and instead is a engineer at McLaren. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this one. Nick, what are you bringing? My fic for next episode is Untitled Yuletide fic by Runic Magitek. The fandoms are Untitled Goose Game video game. Dreamwith, Fandom, and AO3. Our main character is our goose. It is a gen, and it is simply a treat. Reed, what are you bringing? 
I am bringing um, a fic for a fandom I'm not in, but at least one of my co-hosts was in, so I think we should be all right. Um, it is whitecollar.mp3 by Lucky Dice Kirby. Um, for the fandom, you might have guessed White Collar. The relationship is um, Elizabeth slash Peter slash Neil. Um, it is a fake podcast script of an investigative journalist who is looking into what on earth is going on with Neil Caffrey. I think that's how you say his name. I don't know. So please look forward to those fix uh, next episode. In the meantime, I'm going to go stand outside my apartment and howl at the moon. Bye! Ficklets, I think you should come live with me and we can be pirates. Bye! Ficklets, let's hold signs up to each other through our bedroom windows that read things like, are you going to the dance tonight? And I love you. Bye! (laughs) 